Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify, the fast, lean learning machine, the fastest learning, most revenue generating personalization platform for e-commerce. Welcome to the e-commerce growth show. And in this episode, I have a really interesting guy uh, we've got a chat with called John Reedman. Now, I remember the first time I spoke to John, I think we, he was at Summit, Summit Media, and I think I was at Trustpilot. But um, I was just browsing his LinkedIn profile, and I was amazed, actually, the great stuff he's been doing. Um, and uh, amongst those things, uh, he's actually the founder of a marketing technology and in-housing company called Modo25, uh, which was started a year ago with his friend Bonamy Grimes. I hope that's uh, the right way of saying that name. And uh, who was actually one of the original founders of Skyscanner. So this is really uh, exciting. Um, hi, John. How's it going? Yeah, good, Phil. Yeah, great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Um, I just thought I'd start by asking you about your your history, really. Your, your LinkedIn profile sounds amazing with all these things you've been doing. Um, Digital Brains and Supper Club, Ride 25, and obviously Moto 25. What, um, give us a bit of background. Uh, so I, I suppose uh, the, the headlines are I've always been in uh, sales and marketing, and yeah. I've um, spent the last few years growing several digital technology and digital marketing businesses. Um, yeah. But the businesses that I spend most of my time on now as well as Modo 25, is we have a cycling holiday and charity business called Ride 25, um, yeah. which takes um, groups of entrepreneurs and business owners cycling um, and all, all the way from London to Sydney to raise money for an orphanage in, in, in Africa. Uh, as well as that, we organize corporate cycling events, cycling holidays, and I've got a, a, a friend of mine who runs that business now, uh, but myself and another friend own it. Uh, yeah. the, the Digital Brains business is a consultancy that my wife uh, and I both own, uh, and it's yeah. mainly my old wife's business. Um, and we've had some dabbles at actually running our own e-commerce brands in the past. So yeah. uh, I'm not just a, an, an agency and technology guy who hasn't actually done it myself. Yeah. So we, we've had a go, and, and she does some stuff now. And then the Supper yeah. Club is um, an entrepreneur's forum and a club for yeah. um that helps companies that are sort of past that startup phase that are going for scale up. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I represent uh, the North and I'm a very passionate Yorkshireman and I've been, <laughs> a, mem I've been a member of the supper club for seven years. And I, I remember yeah. a conversation with the then MD of the supper club saying, when are we going to do something in Yorkshire? Because uh, yeah. I could spend a lot of time up and down going to London and I'm fortunate that the train connection between York and London is very quick. And yeah. I said, when are we going to do something in Yorkshire? And this, um, the lady at the time, who I was, and she can remain nameless, was running the supper club, said, um, yeah, we've got stuff in Yorkshire. We're coming up to Yorkshire next week, I think. We're going to Manchester. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and, okay. yeah, and, yeah, and I think that just highlights the problem. Uh, so, yeah. um, so anyway, roll forward a couple of years, the supper club turned around and goes, well, look here, Redman, if you're going to keep moaning about it, why don't you help us do something about it? So I, this, uh, probably about this, uh, probably 18 months ago, yeah. would it be about that? Something like that. Maybe this, yeah, yeah, probably about 18 months ago, I set up supper club Yorkshire, uh, which yeah. is still part of the supper club, but basically it's Yorkshire entrepreneurs. We meet up. It's almost like a virtual board type thing. Um, where you, it's therapy for entrepreneurs 
where you chat about business problems and you sort it's a support network. And then the main group has um, uh, loads of different events, and it's actually been amazingly good during these strange times recently in terms of support ideas checking if you're not if you're the only one who's thinking the same thing so because often when you're running your own business it can be quite lonely yeah oh completely so um and then my most recent venture modo 25 uh, i i set up with a a cycling friend of mine who actually met several years ago on one of our ride 25 events uh bon bonamy who uh, was one of the founders of skyscanner and uh the main thing we're trying to do there is disrupt the the traditional brand retailer agency relationship uh, and yeah. help people take control of their own digital future uh, and understand what online marketing could mean for them, help them learn about their data, help them learn about their metrics and, and take control yeah. of their own future performance. So yeah, that's, that's what Modo 25 is doing. That sounds really interesting, all that stuff. Um, so Talking about the kind of overarching theme for the for the chat today, um, we're really talking obviously about the fact we're in the middle of a pandemic, and the fact that that's accelerated digital as a channel. Um, maybe start by giving us a bit of intel on how your clients have found the last few months. Uh, so I suppose it's a bit of a probably a story of two halves. Really, we've had yeah. some clients who well, we've had a client. Um, who's actually gone into administration and hit the wall. They were uh, a high-end fashion, uh, going out outfit type business. And um, nobody's been buying going out dresses for £250 in the, in the last few months. And they, they were already, I think, struggling. Uh, and this just tipped them over the edge. So that, that was a real shame for, for yeah. that particular business. And again, yeah. with, our, with our travel connection through Bon and Skyscanner, uh, when we launched the business this time last year, we went after a few travel businesses. And obviously, nobody's booking travel or spending money on travel at the moment. So, uh, yeah, the, we, we did suffer a bit at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. That, that said, we've got the complete opposite end of the scale. So uh, we work with yeah. um, a cycling brand called Sigma Sports, who sell bikes and online and they can't sell enough bikes quick enough. They've had three yeah. record months in a row, and yeah. they literally. It, and, and what's exciting there is we just hope people carry on cycling. But it's yeah. not just cycling; it's health supplements and vitamins. Yeah. Uh, we've we've got a a really interesting client who does prescription online glasses, so called low cost glasses, and they've seen double digit growth month on month. Uh, for the all the way through the the pandemic, because people still need to buy glasses, they may have broken the glasses, lost their glasses, and the opticians aren't open. So, yeah. it, what's interesting, I suppose, now is will this change people's behaviour ongoing, um, or will they go back to their old habits? Um, but so, and I suppose the other bit, Phil, which I was always a bit worried about, is we wanted to support our existing clients, and it's like when do you go out and start trying to grow your own business during this time? So we've sort of taken a view of being helpful and educational, uh, but we have successfully signed up new clients end to end all online using zoom and teams having never actually met them. So I think the way we do business and the way we do new business and the way we pitch and, and everything may have changed forever. 
So, um, so that that is really interesting, and I think it's um, it's yeah, it's gonna for for a lot of retailers, it's the only shop they've had open is their is their website. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, so in terms of like the the company Moda Twenty Five, um, you, you mentioned it being we were talking earlier about it being quite disruptive in, in many ways. Could you give kind of me and, and, and our listeners a bit of an overview as to what you're doing differently, if you like, in, in that space? Yeah, um, yeah, I suppose, yeah, I probably didn't. I'm very poor at banging my own drum sometimes. So the um, the the modo, so the concept is, yeah. I, I I've been involved in agency land and marketing technology for, for over twenty years, and there's always been this relationship where. The agency send in their A team. They sign up the yeah. client. They promise you the moon yeah. on the stick, and yeah. over time, the relationship degrades, and you don't necessarily get the service. It becomes very transactional. There's less and less new ideas, and I've always thought that was a bit of a shame. Uh, but also, if you look, if you're a retailer now or a brand, not just yeah. the fact that you're getting a poor service and it's become transactional. There's also a huge right. issue around who owns the data, who owns that IP. Who owns the control and the strategy of your online future? The internet, I think we could probably agree now, Phil, it isn't uh, isn't a fad, and um, most most retailers need to really start taking this channel quite seriously. So, should they have that knowledge in house? So, what Modo Twenty Five is doing is two things. First of all, we're going to give people a um, a roadmap of how to in house their digital marketing expertise. Uh, and that could be through strategy, best practice, implementation, recruitment, training. But then also, yeah. the, one of the biggest challenges in the past, if you do bring these things in-house, how do you know if yeah. you're doing a good job? How do you yeah. benchmark yourself against your peers? How do you yeah. keep up to date with what all the other agencies are doing um, and all the other clients are doing? So we're building some technology called Bosco, which is a benchmarking and auditing tool, and then also... It's um, going to give people um, wow. some insight in how to invest their budget in the right channels. So I think also the the big challenge that everybody's facing online now is Google's becoming the the sort of default option, um, and people, nobody gets fired for buying Google clicks. So yeah. so there's two sides to it. Moto Twenty Five is a is a technology and in housing business, and we yeah. have some technology called Bosco, which is going to help people on their in housing journey and help give them a dashboard and a, some benchmarking for the future. So, so that that's what we're doing. And I think in the past, people had two options: they had yeah. either you do it with an agency, or you try and do it on your own yeah. in house. What we're yeah. sort of offering now is yeah. uh, a third option, which I suppose is like a hybrid, supported in housing. Maybe is the right yeah. word where yeah. you've got access to an agency. Yeah. So if somebody goes on holiday or yeah. if they're off sick, because we've helped you set it up to best practice, we can yeah. dive in from behind and, and pick it up and give you that support. And because our technology is interweaved with your reporting, we can yeah. see from afar if your team is doing a good job and, and hold them to account. That's really interesting. So does that then mean that it's almost like a win-win in the sense that the in-house team has more control, perhaps at a less less of a cost point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if you're doing it just to save costs, then right. I, I think that's probably the wrong motivation. Sure. If okay. you're doing it to take more control and overall have better efficiencies 
and future scalability and increase the overall knowledge and value of your business, then maybe that's the right motivation. I think realistically, however, you will uh, save money over the first couple of years because having the the knowledge in-house, these people can do other things. And they can also yeah. respond a lot or a lot more reactively and a lot quicker to to react to needs and they will yeah. understand your brand better than any agency ever could. So yeah, yeah, yeah that is that is one of the main things, yeah. And the so the Bosco platform is it? Would you say yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a platform, yeah. And so I mean how how has that been has that been built with your man, the Skyscanner guy in, in uh in, no, in, unfortunately no. he's uh, he's hung up his development boots. Uh, uh, and would class himself as a lazy investor, I suppose. Um, But no, absolutely, the reason we got Bon involved is because he was the guy who invented Skyscanner, one of of those guys, uh, and he wanted to be involved in some disruptive technology. So Bosco, basically, and Bosco is actually the the name of the the gentleman who runs... uh, a Ugandan orphanage that we support with Ride 25. And when we set this business up, Bon and I are very passionate about supporting this orphanage in Jinja, uh, Uganda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we were trying to come up with a name for the business. And we're like, well, 20, Ride 25, with 25 yeah. links as both. And actually, Modo is the name of a, one of the nine-year-old girls at the orphanage in U- yeah. Uganda. Uh, yeah. And we we have a slightly higher purpose than just making money for the shareholders we yeah. give away a, a significant part of our profit each year we do a load of charitable events each yeah. year yeah. to raise yeah. money and in fact yeah. we were meant to be doing a, a three peaks uh, last weekend with the uh, with the whole uh, modo 25 team but that got kiboshed because of the virus but we yeah. did it virtually anyway and we raised several thousand pounds so that's great yeah. but the, cool. so so the, so the bosco thing going back to the bosco yeah. thing is it it we it sucks in all the publicly available data that's out there, and then what it does is it runs uh, some AI over the top of that to benchmark you against your competitors and uh, uh, give you a score and an index. So you've then got something that uh, has context to it, and then it tells you right because what a lot of digital marketing tools and agencies will tell you they'll tell you what happened last year last week last year yesterday but what people actually want to know is what's going to happen tomorrow what's going to happen next week and where should i actually um where should i be putting my roulette chips right where should i be investing my next pound uh to get maximum return so i i challenged some very smart data scientists with that question um and we've built this tool uh, the first version of it is available now at askbosco.io, uh, and that compares Google, Amazon, and Bing for your category. But yeah. very soon, and we're talking sort of July, August time, we'll yeah. be launching the second version, which will enable you just to put in your URL, and then it will yeah. give you a, a, a score and an index of where you are, and then it yeah. will also um, so it'll benchmark you against your competitors. And then it will give yeah. you some views on where you should be investing your media, um, all just from your URL, which we think um, will enable, um, which will disrupt and challenge the relationship between yeah. agencies, teams, senior people, and and generally cause a bit of chaos. Well, I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping it does. It sounds like it. I mean, so is it um, is it kind of like a classic SaaS 
platform then in that way do you sell it like as a subscription type well thing? I, I, I suppose because we're relatively well funded and we're not yeah. just building this business to sell it because the other part of what i want to do is um i actually want to set up a delivery center in uganda and and because well, we're educating all these kids that at the yeah. orphanage, but actually they can't get jobs. So why can't we give them a job working from Odo 25 in Ginger? That's that's in a few years. But um, so yeah, fundamentally, we are a SaaS yeah. marketing, um, yeah. benchmarking and prediction tool. And yeah. elements of it will be free. Uh, elements of it will be free for a period of time. And then if, if you like it, you could subscribe. If you yeah. then want to actually benchmark your actual data rather than our our scraped and normalized and learned data, you could yeah. um, pay to subscribe and link it to your data. And then right. ongoing, we're going to have some dashboarding and some tools um, yeah. to, to, because I think one of the biggest things is things like Google Analytics or Facebook Analytics are, mm -hmm. are pretty daunting. Uh, and, often, yeah. and often none of them make sense because the numbers don't add up because there isn't a normalized view across all channels. That's right. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is, I suppose if you went to Google and said, how do I make more money out of the internet? They will say, um, spend more money with Google. If you went to Facebook, they'll say, spend more money with Facebook and Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're trying to do, not what, what we're doing actually, is giving people a single agnostic view of where are you best placed to invest your money to get maximum return from the internet. And as more channels come along, so as TikTok comes along and as other channels come along, it's just going to get harder and more yeah. complicated for marketers to make decisions. That so that, that's what we're trying to do is help people make better informed yeah. decisions. Okay. So my final question on the Bosco bit then is, is the model such that the in-house team very easily, like I said earlier, sort of takes control of all this benchmarking data out of the box, job done, or is it more of a case of working with you to get the best out of that sort of self-service platform for the strategies going forward? Because one of the things we were talking about was the complexity is you've kind of touched on around you know, how much does the leadership of enterprise or, or you know retailers across the UK really know about what it is they've got to try and measure and work out and drive forward? Very good question. And I think that you can't just say, right, I'm going to bring everything in-house and I'm going to use this tool to help me, tell me, navigate me and point me in the right direction. Yeah. So part of it is very much at the beginning, the Mogo 25 agency services side, where we have um, several agency practitioners who've worked with me for many years who go in, into businesses or work with the businesses to set up the best practice, set yeah. all the systems up in a traditional agency way. So we may do that for three or six months. Then we yeah. will help them recruit the team or uh, yeah. analyze the internal capabilities of the team and then we roll in the software so yeah. it's 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 people data and technology it's, yeah. it's not it's not just one um and yeah. we so yeah so you're absolutely right it is about a transition yeah. um yeah. But there is also potentially an opportunity for us to white label the Bosco platform for other agencies who, who want yeah. to give some yeah. benchmarking to demonstrate yeah. that they're doing a really good job for their clients. Absolutely. So, and it might be, you say there's a multiple model opportunity there. I mean, if an agency wants to value add and the brand doesn't want to do it, right? But mm. they, they want to use their agency, but they want that extra level of transparency, if you like, through the Bosco platform and not just relying on Google or 
um, which I know we'll come on to a little bit later. Um, it sounds like there's a, there's lots of different opportunities there for that platform. Is it the only one then? I mean, is this unique? Is this like a disruptor to the market like right now? Uh, I asked our principal data scientist that only this morning and he believes <laughs> it is. Because wow. I'm, I'm like, right, he's a double PhD, Dr. James, and when he's not, um, wow. when he's okay. not solving these problems for us, he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to cure malaria or, or work out why the barrier reef's not growing back as fast as we thought it would. So yeah. he's a super smart guy. And what yeah. I think we're just looking at some things in a very different way. So we're trying to take yeah. lots and lots of different data and distill sure. that down um to infer like what's going to happen next but also how can we surface some comparable numbers uh to give it meaning and context to senior people because uh i think one of the challenges what what digital's done is it's given everybody tons and tons of data we're awash with seas of data but it's actually trying to find those meaningful numbers that are going to help you drive your business and i think that's the bit that people struggle with Oh, yeah, that's got to be so difficult for, for any role, I think, where you've got so much going on, any team, to be able to get that clarity is the gold, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, and I, I think people, there is too much data and they don't necessarily know which data is yeah. the, use, is the no, useful. No, pulling it down is critical, you're right. Let me just quickly ask you about the, the Ugandan connection thing. I mean, what? just taking it slightly left field from, from the business side, what what is actually the driver behind the whole yeah so fundamentally it was a friend of ours harry he was running himself a charity in uganda yeah. uh he was sort of he was actually working with a different charity in uganda and saw that there was a problem with kids on the street and there was a slums and and there's a very poor um i suppose sex awareness and and birth control over there and yeah. so that you've got lots of kids who don't have families or whose family can't support them. Um, So they don't get an education. A lot of them haven't got anywhere to live and and they'll sit on the street begging uh, to try and, or pick through rubbish um, to try and generate an income. Uh, And he was trying to work out, well, how can we, um, how can we help these kids? And he started by playing football with them and then he through through sport. And then he sort of said, well, if you come and play football, he thought, well, why don't I feed them whilst they come to play football? And he started chatting to the kids. And at the start, it was mainly boys, unfortunately, because they were the only ones interested in football. It's now we've got girls and it's a very inclusive program. But he then started saying to the kids that were coming to play football is if you could afford to go to school, would you go to school? Yeah. And they're very grateful of the kids in Uganda, completely different to, I suppose, a lot of the overprivileged kids in the UK. And, and yeah. money go, a small amount of money can go a long, long way. So for as little as £300, we can clothe and educate a child for several months in Uganda uh, and feed them and house them. So uh, so it, it basically came to a friend of mine, Harry and Rob. They were, they were working with this charity, and, and we thought, well, it's nice to be able to have a direct impact and see something yeah. that you feel you can actually change and hopefully yeah. see an actual outcome. And then randomly through all of this and, and us doing the cycling round yeah. with my cycling business, we've, we've inspired them to get into cycling, right? Uh, and so these kids have now got their own cycling team at the orphanage called the Ugandan Warriors. And yeah. one of the girls at the orphanage is yeah. now in the top five cyclists in Uganda 
and wins really? money and wins money wow. in races and she gets to keep 50% of the money but 50% of the money goes then into the pot for the orphanage and she will be in the she was going to be in the Ugandan Olympic team if they could afford to go to the next Olympics so wow. it's it's Amazing. a really interesting story but the, the, then yeah. then we've found ourselves getting wrangled in different politics and corruption of well if yeah. she's going to go to this event in this country she needs seven people oh. to go with her we're like well no she doesn't but that's just the history and and the challenges in those sorts of evolving countries um but no the main reason for uganda is through a friend and the impact that a small amount of money can have on, on lots of people's lives yeah no absolutely no completely and i've, I've been over and seen that firsthand as well it's, it's incredible I recommend it to anyone actually just to, as part of that one of those bucket list things to do is to just go and see how the third world really is you know ah, uh, um, it, I was gobsmacked the first yeah. time I went and there's two things we're going to do this this coming 12 months is one I'm going to take the leadership team of Modo 25 over there to see uh, what, what impact we're actually doing and we'll run yeah. some lessons and we'll work out and actually add some value. So I don't think it's like poverty tourism. I think it's about, well, what impact could you do? What small things could you do yeah. to help right. people? And then yeah. the other the other piece is um, I actually want to go over with my kids because um, I, I think it's one thing seeing stuff on the telly, but yeah. when you're walking around the slum and you're talking to the kids and they're so That's grateful right. for everything they have in the world, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely made me think differently about everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is one of those experiences that you carry with you for your life. And now and again, I think when I like, have ch chats like this, or you might be, I don't know, talking to your kids, or their kid might their kids might be talking to their, you know, their children. If you know what I mean, when they've grown up, and there'll be that moment when you remember actually just how difficult life can be compared to the what we call in inverted commas our first world problems that we that we rave on about over here you know even during something like covid right you know um i know so, the yeah. biggest the biggest challenge we've had in covid is we couldn't find a big enough paddling pool right yeah. and that's yeah. just like what a first world challenge so yeah it does put everything yeah. into perspective yeah no for sure no, thanks for so, that. Yeah, no, one, one, one interesting anecdote about this yeah. is um, there's the, the, the whole postal service and um, public transport service in Uganda has been shut down because of the, they've got the same problems as us and they're doing lockdown. And yeah. they, they were trying to apply for grants to get money from the Ugandan government to support some stuff and some some stuff for the orphanage and different things to do because the schools are all shut as well and part yeah. of the thing is we paid for the school fees and in there yeah. they get some food at school you see as well so yeah. anyway yeah. um the only way to get this letter from Ginger to Kampala was for Mary the cyclist to actually ride there and take yeah. the letter so that's what she did and I don't know if you've ever done that journey. It's quite a long way. Yeah, and the roads aren't great. Yeah, so it's um, super dangerous actually as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so but yeah, so but yeah, no, it is. And I think the other the other thing which bringing it back to a sort of e-commerce and commercial yeah. point, sure. um, we definitely have attracted, and certainly people like Dr. James, who's our data scientist. One of yeah. the reasons he wanted to get involved with our business 
was the fact that we actually have a purpose and the reason we exist is is more than just making money for John Redman and the other shareholders is the yeah. fact we're, we're doing some good in the world and I think yeah. that yeah. you often hear entrepreneurs and business owners moaning about generation uh, X and Y and Z and the millennials and everybody and um, oh, aren't they ungrateful and this that and the other and actually I think, well, surely our job as business owners is to create a business that they actually want to work for rather than trying to get them to work in a business that they don't want to work for. Um, so I think it's about empowerment, trust, but also a, a, a larger sense of purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole massive topic there, I think. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole different fruit. That's a whole different oh, yeah, Brilliant stuff. And I'd love to get you on again and talk about that kind of thing because there's a whole worldview piece. And I'm just, I'm just challenging myself right now in my own head thinking about what am I doing, you know, and I'm very much on the business side and I'm trying to build a great team, but why am I really building that great team? And am I really, you know, thinking about my own family, my kids and the roof over my head and what else I can buy and what else I can do. And I'll have, I actually pulled out of that worldview and thought slightly bigger than that. A bit like what you're talking about, Dr. James and yourself and the Ugandan thing and all that. Um, yeah. That's a whole big topic, I think, to, to delve into. Um, I'd love to do that with you another time for sure. Yeah. Maybe face to face over a beer. That would be nice, <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can get some of the listeners in as well, right? We could do a yeah, big, uh, we could do a pub, instead of a podcast, we'll do a pubcast. That sounds great. Yeah, and uh, we do. Um, Segmentify does a curry night thing as well, where we go around the country doing a curry curry roadshow. So we'll have to we'll have to see who's listening, right? Come up, come up your way. Grab a bunch we've of got, listeners. We've got some phenomenal curry places in Leeds. Absolute belters. Yeah, you'd have to show us around, man, because um, yeah. myself, Dr. Kamau, he's uh, he's a bit of a he's well connected guy in the old curry world. So we go get go to a really nice place and have some fun, you know. Yeah. Well, why don't we just finish off with a, a little bit about we? I did mention earlier we were going to talk about Google uh, and possibly even Amazon as well. Um, these are very interesting topics for certainly me, and I've had a couple of chats with other people about them on other on other sessions. Um, but certainly in terms of Google, you were telling me earlier, I didn't know this actually, that they've been in the news again recently with the whole kind of anti-competitive side of it. And uh, you were talking about the the alcoholic selling the selling the, the, the drink or whatever. What um what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, so I, I think, I suppose the, the other way to look at it is Google's basically marking its own homework and, and giving itself yeah. uh, giving itself um, a pat on the back all the time. So there's, there's yeah. lots of new features that Google are launching under the guise of helping the advertiser be more efficient and potentially even disintermediating the agency or their own in-house team. But my view and the view of our data scientists is if everybody has these automated bidding tools um, and everybody's relying, you put in some metrics, say, I'm happy to spend this. Funnily enough, Google will, make, will, will, will take as much money off you as it can because uh, they're, they're a for-profit business. And yeah. then if everybody's got that set to the same thing, mm -hmm. right, you're all going to spend your maximum budgets within the tolerances of what you've allowed. So your profit gets eroded and Google's profit is maximized. But surely a, a better game would be to get some clever people to help you maximize your business profits and reduce your, your exposure to Google and make it as efficient as possible. So I do get frustrated with Google being such a dominant player. Yeah as an advertiser, and now it's giving away free technology uh, yeah. to maximize how much money you spend with it. Uh, and I think it, it is 
is going to take individual countries' government intervention. It's happened before. So the EU has held Google to account before, and they had to launch the whole Google CSS program, let other people into the market yeah. in Google Shopping. So, yeah. But they do a good job, and they do a good job that serves the consumer very well. However, yeah. I think if you're a retailer now, you yeah. are unfortunately – the, your yeah. main route to market is yeah. through Google and they virtually dictate the price. I know they say it's an auction and it's yeah. a cost per click, but yeah. because of a lot of this new AI technology, the cost per clicks are going up and up and up. And that's one yeah. of the big challenges that I think retail is facing. People think it's a, it's a, mud, it's a bloodbath on the high street. It's difficult yeah. to compete online, especially I was the the, the 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 fashion retailer that went into administration we were talking about before. Yeah. They could not afford to bid on generic terms because it was too expensive and too competitive, and also yeah. in it. So so anyway, I think Google's trying to have its cake and eat it, um, which yeah. is often which is often the case. And I yeah. think. Um, it's um, it's also very frustrating to see years ago as agency people, we used to get wine and dined by Google and they, it was all about the agencies pushing Google to the retailers and the brands. And now Google's very much focused on going direct to the brands. And, and yeah. fundamentally that strategy is so that the senior folk don't question the Google invoices or don't drill into too much detail. or um, yeah. And they, they often push metrics like ROAS, which is like return on ad spend. Whereas actually, I think, shouldn't we be focused on on margin or cost per sale or uh, cost of sale rather than ROAS? Because ROAS, I think, drives the wrong behavior in, in depending on what you're trying to do as a business. Um, well, absolutely. I mean, obviously, these 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 massive beasts, I know there's, there's, there's more than just Google and Amazon, right? But clearly, they are very clever business people. Oh. Right? Oh no, and, and and the consumers feed the monster. So it's yeah. it's like Amazon something. I can't believe what I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but something like fifty percent of e-commerce transactions in America occur on Amazon. So Amazon is half the internet in America in terms of e-commerce transactions. Yeah. So and then there's other stats like the product searches now are, are, are taking place. They don't people don't start on Google. They start on Amazon. Right, so if you're going to actually buy something, and you know it's a relatively commoditized product, do you even do a Google search now and click on a Google shopping ad, or do you actually um, just start an Amazon because you know it will arrive tomorrow and you don't need to put any details in? Right, so it's actually about that whole frictionless commerce, making it easy for people to buy stuff. And I think it's very easy for people to beat up Amazon and say how they're killing the high street. But I, I'm pretty certain most listeners to the podcast today uh, will have bought something from Amazon during lockdown, if not more things, um, because it's a, it's a reliable supply chain. Um, but I think, um, yeah, no, I think Google, it's going to be interesting to see because Amazon, the other bit that's interesting now is is Amazon yeah. is starting to sell advertising space. Uh, and actually, you can now advertise on Amazon even yeah. if you don't sell on Amazon. So Amazon's becoming a, an advertising platform, a, a display platform in its own right to compete with the likes of the Google Display Network and YouTube. So mm -hmm. they're coming and saying, well, actually, we're just going to value that eyeball rather than trying to get you to sell something, that eyeball has a value. We know exactly who we are. We know exactly what you shop for. We know exactly what you do. Uh, so we can really sell some very targeted marketing to you. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's got a huge value. And then going the other way, 
Google have been testing selling you the product in the search engine results page oh, within the shopping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you, you, rather than yeah. click to buy and go to yeah. a thing, there you'll be able to just buy it straight in. So yeah. Google's becoming a marketplace. Amazon's yeah. becoming an advertiser, and it's going to yeah. be it's going to be fascinating. And actually, in all of this, if you understand your metrics and your numbers as yeah. a retailer or a brand, you should be able to benefit. But I do think yeah. some brands have got the wrong end of the stick with Amazon and are missing an opportunity uh, and are too nervous and should embrace the opportunity that Amazon gives them and take control of their brand because people will be selling their brands on Amazon anyway. And Amazon yeah. won't care where they get the product from. They will still ship it because that's what the consumer yeah. wants. And they put their customers first, which which I think they've got to do. But it, I suppose with all of this, is it is it killing uh, creativity and branding? And it's is it just well, yeah. are the masses? That's, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you because if you've got brands out there, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Is Amazon something to be feared, and you have to try all your with all your might to still maintain a strong brand in the face of Amazon, or can you preserve your brand and embrace Amazon? What what is the bottom line here in terms of obviously e-commerce brands and trying to for them to try and grow? So I, I, so I think if you think about Amazon as Amazon's a retailer. Okay, and if you think yeah. about let's nobody had a go at Tesco's. Well, maybe they did. When ke- the, the example I often use is kettle chips, right? When kettle yeah. chips suddenly appeared several years ago, those massive bags, and now suddenly a normal yeah. packet of crisps just doesn't seem big enough, does it? But it's <laughs> maybe that's just me. Uh, certainly in lockdown, it doesn't feel big enough. Yeah. But suddenly these big bags of kettle chips from from the kettle chip people started appearing, and then about yeah. a year later, Tesco started doing their own kettle chips, right? That's just yeah. called retail, right? And yeah. people yeah. And, and people are like, oh, well, actually, the Tesco's ones are 50p cheaper and they taste almost the same. Right, we'll get those ones. So yeah. everybody then sort of is moaning at Amazon going, well, I don't want to put my stuff on Amazon because they'll just invent an Amazon basic version and then they'll yeah. start selling it or they'll undercut me or they'll they'll learn and get on my data. And But I suppose what you've got to do in here and the bit that – kettle chips haven't gone out of business, Right. People still buy kettle chips, the brand, right? Because it has a brand, it has a a value and a a perceived quality. And I think what brands need to understand is if they get their brand marketing right, it just opens up a whole new avenue of customers that that they could sell to. And I'll give you some examples of people who are doing it well. Um, There's a a nutrition and energy company called Grenade. I don't know if you know Grenade. They're doing yeah, exceptionally yeah. well. Phenomenal business, visionary yeah. founder, all about the people, all about the customers. But they've yeah. gone on to Amazon to take control of their product that other resellers were selling and created some really engaging brand content, right? So, and there is functions within the Amazon process where you can almost have a, a branded look and feel website, but people yeah. Yeah. people just aren't on top of it. And another company yeah. that's done a yeah. great job is, is Lego, for instance. They've done another sort of exceptional job. But I I think sooner or later, Amazon will be selling your product if you're a brand, whether you like it or not. Um, And I suppose it's about how do you engage with Amazon to ensure that your customers get the right brand experience and it's not just about price and product. I suppose, Um, is it right to say, though, that 
you know, it's, it, it genuinely depends on if we're talking to brands right now who are listening, that's one side of the coin. I, I'm, I can only assume, maybe I'm wrong, that if you're, if you're not a brand and you're almost, well, you are a brand, but you're not, you're not, you're, you're selling a more commoditized type model where you haven't got something which is unique and special in some way or whatever, and you're almost distributing something that's the same as Amazon. Is that is that basically not our audience? You know, these these people just don't exist well, anymore. Well, I think that... it's, it's going to be interesting. So the old way, it's going to be harder. So the more brands go direct to consumer, which they are. So who'd have ever thought you could buy Heinz beans from Heinz direct? which yeah. you can now, by the way. They launched in lockdown now. You can go on, buy all your favourite Heinz products and they'll ship it straight to your house. That that yeah. would have been unheard of 10 years ago because yeah. the supermarkets and the big multiples were their customers. And who'd have yeah. thought that you'd go onto a beer, a brewery website, buy your beer direct and get it sent to your house? Right? So Brewdog, that's how yeah. I buy my beer. So yeah. it, it's about embracing and understanding what do the end consumers want I think it is becoming hard and a challenge. But then can you flip it on the head the other way and go, well, actually, if I am a distributor, if I have a product that I'm selling, is it actually now becoming this whole headless commerce thing? So yeah. it becomes feed-driven commerce. So I might have 10 products or 20 products that are competitively priced. And actually, my job is really to get coverage across as many different marketplaces as possible so I could go on to Mano Mano in France, or I could go into Frugo in the UK. I can get it on as many outlets as possible. But actually, I then don't have the cost of, of, of running my own website, doing my own marketing. My job is to make sure I've got my merchandising, my proposition right, and my pricing right, and my brand right, so that people yeah. see it on these other platforms and buy it. But it's hard. And as the margins are getting tighter and tighter and tighter, and then as yeah. the distribution gets, because I, I know I know lots of companies have tried to sell things on Amazon. And once you've paid Amazon to advertise it on Amazon, and then you've paid the fulfilled by Amazon cost or whatever, there's, there's, yeah. no, margin, there's no margin that's, left. That's what I was thinking, especially in that particularly commoditized type of market, you know, where your brand could be great, but all of a sudden, how on earth are you going to compete? But, I mean, in terms of um, kind of... Uh, not finishing off the wrong word really but because we could talk for ages but yeah. i'd love to sort of get you on and maybe just dissect some of these other things we've been talking about but it's been absolutely fan fascinating to to chat to you john thank you so much um just as a sort of final thing you've spoken about some brilliant stuff today you know the whole bosco thing uh what you're doing uh as part of uh, moda 25 and the other things you were talking about the other endeavors that you're doing and even the stuff in uganda is fantastic as well what, what's the best way for our listeners to sort of engage with you get hold of you and talk to you about this stuff some more yeah so uh, I, I, you can find me on linkedin john redman r-e-a-d-m-a-n feel free to connect yeah. on there or on modo i suppose modo 25 uh yeah. all my contact details are on there and that you can talk to me on air about anything whether it be cycling on the, the for the charities or whether it be uganda and the orphanages or the supper club and mm. um that's probably the easiest is is the modo25.com yeah. Well, that sounds great. And I think I'm going to check out those things because it sounds so interesting. And there's so much going on in your world. And I'd love to get you back on uh, to, to talk about well, that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to come back on. And, and uh, yeah, we're ha happily. I found, found it really good. Yeah, thanks, John. So it just 
remains for me to say, uh, I hope you enjoyed today. And uh, if you uh, are interested in hearing the other podcasts that we've done, any future ones that are coming out, uh, and John's one, obviously, as well, please to go over to segmentify.com forward slash podcast. And uh, if you've got any questions about uh, any particular topics you want us to cover or you're interested in being on the show, do give me a shout anytime at phil at segmentify.com. Thanks so much again, John. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Put us to the test and let us prove we can drive more revenue for you. Sign up for a completely free proof of concept or split test against your current provider. Set up and optimized by our team within a few days at segmentify.com slash demo.